you know, I really realized that I needed to sort of dig deep and do some work on me. And in the process of doing that work is where my intuition blossomed. And, you know, as I often say, like a lot of what keeps us from, from, you know, connecting with our higher selves and hearing the call of our soul is all that, that human programming and conditioning and wounding and all of those things. And, but when we start to clear that out, that's where in our soul shines. Hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. My name is Tina Conroy. I am so grateful you are here. As a professional intuitive medium, Reiki master, and yoga teacher, my intention is to explore intuition so you can gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. I honor your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Today on the podcast is my conversation with Victoria Shaw. Victoria is an intuitive counselor as well as a fellow podcaster. Her podcast is Intuitive Connection. Her approach to counseling and therapy is holistic. She draws from a variety of theoretical frameworks, tools, and techniques and meets the unique needs of each individual client. I was so happy to meet Victoria through a mutual podcasting forum. We love to speak about intuition, how Victoria found her awakening, her background, and how she came to do what she does now. I know you're going to love this conversation. All Victoria's information will be below in the show notes. Check her out, Facebook, Instagram, and her website. Have a beautiful day. Welcome, Victoria, to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Likewise, I'm so excited to be here and continue our, to continue our conversation. I am so excited to introduce you to my community and all the wonderful, wonderful things that you do. But I always love to bring the listeners back to your childhood and a little glimpse if you were brought up spiritual, religious, or both, whatever you'd like to share. I love that question because my, I think my background is uniquely suited for me, but it's also a little bit funky. So I was brought up by, I would say my mother was um, half Jewish, half Catholic, and she was raised Jewish, but her mother was Catholic. So she had, you know, she really felt trapped between those two worlds growing up. And I think she didn't want me to have that. So she um, converted officially to Judaism because she wanted me to have that, you know, sort of Jewish lineage because that made her, you know, that helped her because she was very uncomfortable being between those two different worlds. But meanwhile, my dad, who is Jewish by birth and, and was raised in the Jewish faith, is what I would call a militant atheist. So he is a very anti-religious, anti-spiritual person. I was taught that, you know, my Jewish heritage was more of a cultural thing, not a spiritual or a religious thing. And I, and my dad, who was, I think the prop, you know, the predominant voice in my household really thought that anyone who was religious or spiritual must be stupid. <laughs> so that was sort of my background. So very anti-spiritual household. 
And uh, I think my mom probably was more spiritual or oriented, but it wasn't really something that we talked about a lot. But the, the major thing was from my father who really gave me this, this message that, you know, spirituality, why would you do that? So interesting. It's always so interesting when I ask this question to my guests and all the many, many different answers I get. So yeah. th- thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. What I love about the background that I have now is that I didn't grow up with any religious indoctrination at all, but I grew up with these two different kinds of backgrounds. I mean, a little bit of a background in Catholicism and my husband was raised Catholic and I had a lot of friends that were Catholic and then also the Jewish part. And I did go to Sunday school for a couple of years and that kind of thing. So I feel like I got just enough taste of that spirituality through religion to kind of kind of come up with my own plan. And I think that that's been really helpful for me because I'm, I've always been free to connect with my own spirituality. And once I kind of let go of the teaching that being spiritual at all is, is wrong, then, you know, the sky's been the limit for me. I love that. When do you think that you had that? So if you think back, when did you have that connection that there was that something bigger and greater than you or that source? And even though it wasn't maybe a doctrinated religion that you you knew that whatever that name was for you, can you kind of think about a time or the age around that? I think like most kids, you kind of know when you're young that there's something greater than you, that there's something more out there, that you're a part of it. And then you forget, I think around six or seven years old, because just developmentally, that's where the brain and and our logical thinking really starts to sink in. And it's a big cognitive developmental shift Uh, for kids. And it's also when they're in school all the time and they've learned to read and all of that. And that's just what I see for a lot of kids. And I think that was true for me as well, except that when I was about seven years old, I think it was seven years old, I had a dream that I died. And it was a very clear dream. And I saw myself in the third person and it was sort of like a wild west kind of thing. And I didn't see the person that was going to shoot me, but I remember saying I knew it was my time. I knew I was going to, you know, it was time to go and that he was going to shoot me. I was shot in the chest. And then a wave of the most beautiful peace and calm washed over me. And it was honest to God, the best, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. And, you know, I've never forgotten that dream. And I really think that was my reminder of who and what I really am as a spirit, as a person, what, what, you know, the other side is like. And I've carried that with me, even in the places and times when I sort of lost faith and lost that connection, it's always been with me. Wow. That's beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard a story like that. And you reminded me as you were speaking that I have had a dream similar to that, that I've died, but I wasn't young and I can, I don't know how old I was. Um, but I knew I was being, I was, I was being killed. I can't remember. I knew that I was dying, but then I woke up. So I didn't get that feeling of that light or feeling everything was okay. But I woke up and I was like, oh, I am alive, you know? So that was an interesting kind of connection. And we, you know, as kids, we always say like, if you die in your dream, you're going to die. Well, I will tell you that is not the case. (laughs) Exactly. I, I woke up the next morning, all was well, but I do think that it was a beautiful, uh, reminder that we exist beyond our physical bodies and, you know, just how beautiful that can be and hopefully how beautiful we can have those experiences while in our bodies as well. 
Exactly. So how did your life unravel then? So where did you, you know, go towards school and your, you know, academics and then kind of where you are now? So take us a little bit, you know, further back and then kind of where you are right now. So I was blessed as a child because my parents were two people that were pretty smart, you know, book smart people, but both hated school. And so they wanted me, my mom in particular, wanted me to have a different experience. And they sent me to a very progressive private school um, that, you know, back in the 70s, open classroom, no structure, outside all the time in nature. And thank God for that because I loved school and my home life was a little bit funky. So school was my refuge. It was a beautiful place. It was where I really felt honored and valued for who I was, how I was. I really, um, you know, was able to kind of do my own thing and be valued for the the gifts and, and the things that I brought to the table. I did have some insecurities because I grew up with learning disabilities and they weren't discovered towards till I was um, early adolescence. But those early years, you know, without a lot of pressure and with, without a lot of structure for me was golden because I was able to hear my voice and, and I, you know, I really discovered my voice as a writer and I just, it was magical and, and I felt like really free. And so that was sort of the foundation for me. And then when I was around 13, I was diagnosed with having a learning disability. And I think, you know, I came from a pretty high achieving family, or at least I think I felt some some pressure in that direction as I started to get older. And I think that's when I sort of doubled down on the intellect and became a really good student, um, became a really high achiever. I think I always brought, you know, my special sauce to the table. And I know um, I can look back and see how my intuition, especially in high school, because again, I was just in such a magical place with people that really let me do my own thing. And I can see how in some papers I wrote and things I did, I was really drawing on my intuition. Um, But I also had that, that strong achievement orientation. So by the time I think I was, you know, into college, I'd sort of lost touch with some of that magic and gone, you know, double down into that achievement oriented approach to life and very intellectual and, um, I think by the time I finished graduate school, um, I'd really lost touch with a part of myself that I had managed to keep alive probably, you know, three quarters of the way through college. Um, And so then the next, you know, 10 or 15 years of my life was getting that back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like coming, going back to what you know. It reminds me of that quote that I remember stepping into, for me, opening up you know, I had this spiritual, I didn't really know the name of it, but for me, the stepping in as, you know, connecting more and more was through yoga and then through Reiki and as we've spoken before. And so I remember this quote that I heard, I'll probably botch it up, but regarding yoga, it's like you come back to yourself. So in Shavasana, you die, you come back to yourself, right? Shavasana is corpse pose. And so I remember the very first time I practiced yoga, I remember thinking, wow, this, this feels like I've always been here. It feels like home. And that was, I, I wanted that. I wanted to attain that. I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to learn more. And then that put me on my whole journey. That was the spiritual awakening of, I want more. Let me learn more. Let me share more. And then that took me more you know, along the path. So what did you study as um, through college and your master's? So that's such a good question. So um and I have, I have I have a couple different advanced degrees because I was a book nerd, but um, I studied psychology and philosophy. And psychology has always been my passion. 
um, and understanding how the mind works and the brain works. And that's been my passion for as long as I can remember. And so it's funny now, not so funny now that I find myself doing what I do as an intuitive counselor. And I was super interested in those big questions, like what is consciousness and, and how do our beliefs impact our reality? And um, because of that, I also, you know, majored in, double majored in college and philosophy so that I could kind of put those two things together. And psychology today is very research oriented. And so my philosophy part, I got to ask the questions from that other angle. Um, I decided to go to graduate school in psychology because um, that was what spoke to me more. And that's where I think I got lost a little because, again, psychology is very research-oriented. And I, I discovered over the four years of grad school that I personally didn't love doing research. You know, it's very reductionistic. And it just felt like all the really big, exciting questions we couldn't ask because the, you know, what we are always told is you got to ask questions that you can answer and that you can publish. And that's how you make your career. And for me, those weren't the really exciting questions. And I think the turning point for me is I asked my advisor, who was about as famous and, and important in the field as you could be. So he was, you know, at the top of the game. And I said to him, so when do we get to ask those big, exciting questions? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I realized if, if he wasn't doing it, I was never going to get to do it. And, and that was sort of the beginning of the end for me in terms of my uh, relationship with research psychology. And um, so about midway through my postdoc, I you know, decided this really isn't for me and I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And so I thought this is a great time to start my family. Um, which is what I did. And I did some writing and it was really for me, my awakening, spiritual awakening came around that parenting piece because it brought up a lot, as it does for many people, it brought up a lot of stuff for me. It brought up a lot of my own childhood wounding. It brought up just a lot of things. And in order to be the best mom that I could be and that I wanted to be, you know, I really realized that I needed to sort of dig deep and do some work on me. And in the process of doing that work is where my intuition blossomed. And, you know, as I often say, like a lot of what keeps us from, from you know, connecting with our higher selves and hearing the call of our soul is all that, that human programming and conditioning and wounding and all of those things. And, but when we start to clear that out, that's where in our soul shines. And I think that was the process for me. I love that. That's beautiful. And you know yeah. what? You are not, you are among many women that I've spoken to that have had their spiritual awakening when they became a mom. Yeah. When they were pregnant with their first or second child. And through the pregnancy or right after the birth of their child, there was this 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 reawakening. You know, it's interesting because my yoga journey started. I was a mom at 29. I had two children by 29. I had not practiced yoga. I, you know, I knew what it was, but you know, it wasn't as famous right. as it is now. It's like everybody, you know, yeah. and I was a dancer my whole life. So my thing was my daughter was young. I had two kids at 29. A lot of my friends were not having children. So I was a really young mom and I did have support and I had my mom, but still I, it was very lonely. And right. I remember thinking, oh, I'll go to yoga because I'll be good at it because I'm a dancer. You know, like that was really the mindset. Like, oh, right. I can do this because I'm flexible, you know, which is so interesting. I never say that anymore. I'm like, everybody can do yoga. And, but it was right around, 
you know, the birth of my daughter, like right around that time, you know, within. And so it, it, it didn't even connect with me for a very long time. I started doing a lot of these interviews with other women and I found the yoga, but it was also around that piece. It was around that piece, being a new mom, you know, having two children, uh, you know, a lot of the stress, a lot of the anxiety going through my childhood and looking at things that, you know, how did my mom react? And my mom had me at 18 in a very interesting situation. Um, and so it brought all that back. So it's interesting because it happened to me too, but I connected with the yoga, not connected right. with the parenting, but you're, you're absolutely right. Right. And I think it's, you know, it's different for everyone. And, and one of my sweet spots is working with moms and parents and kids about using that parenting journey as a way to awaken and, and a way to do your healing. Um, because it is just, you know, I often say our kids are genetically engineered to push our buttons. They will just, they will just do that. And yet that's where you find your triggers and that's where you find where you're ready to grow. And then we also have that natural mother's intuition, right? It's there. And so learning to discern what's my intuitive sense of my child and what's my fear is so, again, so potent and powerful and, and something you know that we can really uncover and experience through this journey. This is a great segue for share with the listeners Who's your ideal client? Who are the who is the who are the people that come to you? And and really maybe start with what would you say is an intuitive counselor? Maybe people have never heard that term. All right. So I do a couple different things. So as an intuitive counselor, I combine my training and background in psychology and counseling because, like I said, I'm also in addition to having a doctorate in research psychology, I'm also a licensed professional counselor and I have a master's in counseling. So. Um, those are, that's my clinical degree. And those are the things that I do. And I'm licensed in Connecticut. So I do, you know, everything from sort of basic counseling, but always with that intuitive twist. And I think anyone who does any kind of healing work well is using their intuition. But for me, I use it very explicitly and very intentionally. And one of my goals is always to help clients tap into their own inner knowing. And the reason I was drawn to counseling for my second time around, rather than going back and getting more psychology qualifications, which is the slightly more prestigious route, um, not that there's anything wrong with it, still love psychology. But what I loved is I, with counseling, there's this belief system or understanding that, you know, the job of the counselor is to activate the innate healing in the client. And that was huge. It's not about diagnosing. It's not about fixing. It's not about my being the expert and you being, you know, the patient. It's about, you know, tapping into the, helping my clients tap into their light. And that's why I was drawn to counseling. And that's, you know, what I do also in my spiritual counseling work, which is I do with clients all over the world. And again, it's, you know, we don't treat mental health conditions in that case. So it's a little bit different there, but it's the same sort of thing where I use my inner wisdom to guide you to awaken yours. And so that's basically what I do. And I also, because I have that counseling background, of course I use that. I have the listening skills. I have the discernment skills. I have the boundary skills. Um, And so I'm so grateful for all of those things. And I will always draw on that as well. I love that. And so we speak a lot of the same language in the sense that empowering the person to acknowledge that they have that intuition, that they can tap into that and you're their guide. Correct. I love it. 
And, you know, sometimes people, I know a lot of people that don't want to call themselves psychics or intuitives because they have a belief that if you do that, people will come to you to get their answers. And, you know, I always educate people when they first walk in the door to let them know it might come out of my mouth, but it's your guidance. I'm the conduit. And sometimes we need to hear it out of someone else's mouth in order for it to sink in. And oftentimes when, you know, and you know this from your own work, when information comes through, people are like, oh yeah, I knew that, but they just needed to hear it again. And then there are times too, when it really stretches their awareness and they're like, I didn't know that. And I have to ponder that. But again, it's still their guidance because nothing comes out of my mouth, you know, if it's not at the right time, because I'm aligning with my highest self and my client's highest selves. And again, I'm a conduit for their healing, learning, and growth. And my goal is to help them, you know, find that resource within. I agree. And mostly it's validation. It's a validation. They have thought of that. They have, you know, maybe had sleepless nights over it. Right. And then it validates their feelings. It validates the situation. And it may it gives it a lot of clarity. It gives it a little light or it brightens it, which says, okay, I need to think about that a little bit more. Or and I and I love that. So it allows them to to do that as well. Who are most of your clients? I know you work around the world and obviously virtually is is so key in that. Are are they mostly women, men, age group? So I think my ideal client is anyone that, you know, is interested in using those kind of struggles and experiences that we have in life as a catalyst for their own personal and spiritual growth. And, you know, a lot of the work that I do and that I'm guided to do is to help people kind of remove those masks and layers and heal those pain points and those triggery things so that they can move forward. And I don't really think that we always have to like dumpster dive in the past for everything that went wrong. And I certainly don't think that we should make our past experiences part of our present identity. But I do think sometimes it's important when we sort of learn to recognize where we're still hurting and have love and compassion for that, that's when we sort of create more space in our very own lives for our highest and truest selves to shine through. I Um, love that. That's great. I also work with people that are interested in, you know, tapping in more to their intuition. And sometimes we do this explicitly through mentoring and I have online classes and other things that I do. Um, But I also find that just that process, and you probably find this too with the people that work with you, once we sort of, it, it happens by resonance, right? In the process of doing whatever we're working on, I'm guiding you to tap into your inner wisdom and you're watching me tap into my inner wisdom And it just starts to happen and evolve naturally, normally. And it's amazing how over the years of working with people, I see how people just naturally, you know, more and more tap into that wisdom for themselves just without even trying. And I love that. I do too. I also like kind of demystifying the whole intuition thing because there's a whole idea concept and I'm sure you get this as well as if I open up my intuition, then something bad will happen or something scary will happen. And, you know, the people are afraid to do that because they may have had maybe a premonition dream or they may have heard somebody that if they tap into it, it's like the boogeyman. And I always say, you know, if you're looking for those things, those things will happen, but you know, you stay kind of positive and stay in the light, you know, and out of even all the work that I've done, I always say to people, this isn't the movies, you know, this isn't the movies kind of thing. So, you know, it's a very different mindset, but do you get that a lot too? People just afraid to tap into it and to move into that? feeling or 
guidance. I don't know of if intuition. that's my typical clientele, but I think we all have some fears. I know for myself, as I was moving through this and my own kind of intuitive awakening, there were moments where I was afraid of sort of having my light shine. I was nervous about how do I know if this is coming from a good source or a not good source. Um, so I know in my own journey, I had some of those fears. Most of the people that come to me now are pretty open, um, but that could change. But I think that it's really, really true. It's, you know, your intuition, the way that I look at it is your connection to your highest self. It's your spiritual GPS. And so it's not going to steer you wrong. Sometimes we can be confused about what intuition is. And sometimes we can, you know, use our psychic abilities or gifts to do things that are more ego driven and a little bit funky. But if you're really tuning into your inner wisdom, it's clear, it's calm, it's beautiful, and it's here to support you. And, you know, some of us too have, you know, some past life memories about times when intuition was, you know, not valued so much. And so sometimes you have to, people that when they're first awakening their inner wisdom have to work through some of that too and let that go and, and, you know, let themselves know you're safe now. It's okay. I agree with you. I, when I started on this journey of really developing my psychic gifts, psychic intuition or abilities, I should say, I remember thinking that, you know, was it bad or, you know, how is this something I'm going to unlock? Or, you know, there were all these like rituals, like, well, if I'm going to, is meditation bad even? Because, you know, and that was a little bit of my upbringing, even though right. we weren't, we weren't highly religious. I did went to, went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic grammar schools. So I, I had the whole Catholic Catholicism. Right. So it was like, well, if I meditate and open everything up, then, you know, I'm letting everything in all the bad, all the boogeyman, the entities, the devil, right. I don't know what. And so then I got kind of caught up in these like rituals. Like if, I'm going to meditate, then I have to like ground myself. And then I have to make sure that I have white light around me. And over time, I've let a lot of that go. And even when I used to start, when I started doing readings years ago, it was the same thing, you know, it was white light and all this. And not that I don't say a little prayer and connect, but it's not like white light, dark light. It's, it's not so a division anymore. I just know that I am and I am supported and I open up into spirit and I, and I trust spirit. It's not as if I have to go through all these, you know, steps to make sure that everything is good, you know? So I think you learn that over time too. And, And that for me was a not, it may have been a past life thing, I believe, but it was also a a true past of a childhood of I'm unlocking something that may not be good and how will I be viewed and, you know, all of that. But those things melt, melted away from me when I stood in, I connected to my purpose and my journey and knew that this was true for me. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's very true. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of people that have a strong religious upbringing, there are some teachings that that kind of esoteric stuff is not safe and not okay. And I mean, Jesus was an energy healer in my understanding. So again, but I think there's, you know, been a lot of indoctrination and teaching and dogma between the time he taught and now that, you know, has, has weighed some of us down. And, you know, you have to, I think spirituality is very personal and you have to listen to the God of your own heart. And, you know, that's, that's what works for me. But I also think, you know, fear will find its way anywhere. And of course, there's a lot of people that teach intuition development and psychic development from a more fear-based place and God bless them. But I just, again, like you, I try not to go there. And I just, you know, I ask at the beginning of each session for, you know, the highest purpose. And I do bring in white light because I like white light, (laughs) but not from a place of fear, just because I love to create that beautiful container for the work that we do. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. You said it so perfectly. I want to share with listeners before we close about your podcast. So I know this has been a really, um, a new birth project for you, an exciting project for you. And I'm so excited for you. So just share with you, uh, share the listeners, share with my listeners, the podcast. So for me, my podcast is a really good example of following your intuition and how sometimes it takes a while before we get the memo <laughs> because since I was a kid, I always dreamed of writing a book and one of the books. And one of the reasons I went into psychology is I always saw myself writing popular science or, or self-help books. And I've done that. I've published some books earlier on in my career and then again, took a break. But I was thinking, well, you know, I've been doing this for, for 10 years now and I really have a voice and I really have a lot to share and I'm ready to sit down and start writing that book. And the thing was, is nothing was happening. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a writer at my core, but I would put the pen to paper or the, the, the fingers on the keyboard and nothing was coming out. But what was happening instead was I was finding myself walking with a tape recorder and like magical stuff was coming out of my mouth and great guidance for me and for everyone. And so I, of course my left brain said, well, okay, I guess what you're going to do, even though you've never worked this way before is you know, talk it out first and then transcribe it and write it down. But I tried doing that. And that also simply was not happening. And then finally, I had my light bulb moment. And I realized what my spirit was asking me to do at this point in time was to actually speak my wisdom rather than writing it down. And I'm sure that book will come. And I have a actually have a book coming out this summer. Um, on something slightly like a little unrelated, but that's where the podcast was born. It was when I finally woke up and said, oh my goodness, what I'm being called to do right now is to share wisdom and guidance through my voice. And thank God now we have these wonderful podcast opportunities. So it was, it was very easy to make that happen. I agree. And, you know, podcasting really to use your voice, to share your message, to connect with so many people and transform it's your spirit was beckoning you to do it. And you kind of just kept going around until you yeah. finally said, Oh wait, it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that happens, right? Cause you have an idea in your head about what it is you think you're supposed to do, but you know, our higher selves always know better. They always know better. And so when you can take that step back and really listen, you'll always be pointed in the right direction. And I have to say, I'm having so much fun with this podcast. I'm meeting so many amazing people like you. And um, I'm learning from the experience as well, because I learn from the information that comes out of my mouth. So it's just a great um, opportunity to, to be of service and to share and to learn and to grow. I always say that it's, I love podcasting because it's a way for me to meet all amazing people. And so I, it it lights me up to be able to connect with you and to meet you and to meet other women and other people that are doing things and, and selfishly have this conversation that I probably wouldn't have. So it's, it it allows me to do that. And what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Intuitive Connection. Love it. With Victoria Shaw. (laughs) And can be found on all podcast players. It's on all the podcast platforms. You can find it also through my website, which is victoriashawintuitive.com. And um, yeah. Love it. So before we close, I always like to ask, and although we've touched on on many of them, can you share uh, an intuitive moment, something that you want to, that just maybe just comes to mind because I know there was this whole episode has been about that, but something that comes to mind that you want to share with the listeners that you listen to 
And I know you just shared one, but maybe there's another. (laughs) Um, One of the earliest experiences that I had with my intuition before I really knew it was a thing, but I guess I kind of knew was when I was um, in my twenties. And I guess I was starting to thinking maybe I wanted to like settle down and find a life partner. And I kept dating these different guys. Um, I was fortunate to be in a PhD program at a school that was 70% male. I actually wasn't fortunate. It was a little creepy. So there were like lots of dating opportunities if you were like, if you had an double X chromosome, but so I was doing more dating than I had done in college, but I I had a series of relationships and um, somewhere early in each relationship, I'd get this flash. I can't put words to it. It would be like the sound of his voice or the way that he walked or like, you know, just something. And I would have this flash of of why he wasn't the one. And later on, you know, because none of them were as a relationship, you know, unraveled or whatever that it did or or unwinded, uh, unwound. I would understand what that flash was about. Right. Again, not quite in words, not quite in concepts, but it would make sense. So I thought to myself, hmm, I guess what this means is that when I find the one, and I don't necessarily believe there's just one, but for me, there was at least one, <laughs> um, then, you know, I won't have this flash and then I'll know. But in fact, what happened it's instead is on my second date with my husband, I knew I was going to marry him. We're sitting in the movie theater after, you know, having Chinese food and it hits me overhead like a ton of bricks, like I'm going to marry this guy. And it was so strong and so powerful that, you know, I thought I was like losing it. And I also, of course, went into this, not of course, but I went into this paranoid state of, I really hope he can't read my mind right now because this is only our second date and what the heck. And after that point, you know, I went through thinking maybe I didn't like him that much. Maybe I wanted to date other people, like, you know, all the stuff that you go through in a relationship. But, you know, we've been married 25 years. So that was, I think, my first really strong experience with my intuition. And it was just so clear and so direct. And, you know, I think he was the right life partner for me, at least for the last 25. Oh, congratulations. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and you bring so much light and love and intuitive guidance to so many, many people. Uh, I wish you so much luck on the podcast, your podcast, and all the many people that you connect with. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.